One minute to midnight, one minute to go, one minute to say goodbye before we say hello. Let's start the new year right. Twelve o'clock. New Year's resolutions are what you make when you feel the need to fix yourself up, to get back into shape and into the game. Lose weight, exercise more, look for a new job. What resolutions, then, can California Republicans make to save their shriveling party? The party that built the political cradles for Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan is a toxic brand in its home state. But to build a neo-Republican party in California and get rid of the Neolithic one, to tweak the old phrase, it may have to be destroyed before it can be saved. The death rattle has been 20 years in the making, from Proposition 187 to the Trump nosedive among Republican suburban voters. Mike Madrid, a one-time political director of the state GOP and a Republican political consultant for the public affairs group Grassroots Lab, drafts a short list of resolutions on what the state party must do to restore its moribund fortunes. Let's talk about what New Year's resolutions the California Republican Party should have to rebuild itself. Well, I think the first thing it needs to do is stop being mean, right? The famous Google line of don't be evil. There's as many good ideas as there are in the conservative movement or the Republican Party. There's no way that anybody's going to listen to you if they think that you don't like them. And the Republican Party has given plenty of groups, virtually all groups, reason to believe that they're mean-spirited and angry and upset. And in that environment, no one's going to listen to you. And until that changes, until that's corrected, until that New Year's resolution is committed to, you're never going to see any meaningful partaking of Republicans in the public policy debate. And you shouldn't. How does that change and what are the obstacles to changing it? And that's really the biggest conundrum facing the party, because as more moderate voices leave and as more diverse voices leave the Republican Party and are pushed out and sidelined and marginalized, what remains is those that are much more homogenous and more and more committed to this kind of angry ideology, this nationalism that has really taken over the party. And that element is the least likely to change. So the very voices that can be instrumental in moving the party forward are those that no longer remain. And so my prediction is really what's going to happen in the Republican Party, it will continue to double down on these nationalist, white identity, political positions, and it will continue to wither on the vine until ultimately it just disappears. Well, is the California Republican Party or what's left of it very different from the National Republican Party in that regard? It's really not what the same demographic is in California is precisely the demographic that Donald Trump, the president, has been able to capture statewide. It really only exists in our deserts, our mountains, and our forests far up north. But in California, it's not only very small, it's actually the fastest shrinking demographic. And that group, incidentally, tends to be non-college educated, white, poorer workers, blue-collar workers in the rural parts of our state. So not what you think of as the future of California. And frankly, it's not even what the future is in America anymore. Can you afford to alienate those voters to try to recruit new ones? The short answer is no. The question becomes, at what point do you abandon that that element that you have worked in coalition with? And at least in California, we have seen that break. We saw suburban, college-educated white voters in places like Orange County, North San Diego, the suburban peripheries of Los Angeles say we've had enough. These voters were actually saying, I would rather have Nancy Pelosi wield the speaker's gavel than see the Republican Party continue down the direction of Donald Trump. 
And so even if political leaders don't have the will, the voters are now saying we've had enough. The California Republican Party, is its registration numbers are now third behind decline to state, behind people who have no party affiliation at all. And most recently, we saw the chief justice of the state Supreme Court, Tani Kantil Sakaue, change her registration from Republican to no party preference. And today we are the Titanic <laughs> after it hit the iceberg, but before the last bit of the ship submerged. But unlike the Titanic, we might be able to save Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> before he goes under. Yeah, and it's much deeper than that. My firm just put out a report showing that 11% of mayors and council members, which is about 250, 300 mayors and council members, have no party preference. And after a little bit more research, we found that about 80% of those were Republicans just two or three years ago. So Republicans at the very initial stages, the very local government level, as well as at the state level, are leaving the party. In the primaries earlier this year, Gavin Newsom, the governor-elect, and Antonio Villaraigosa, his main Democratic challenger, raised 20 times more money from Republican donors than John Cox, the eventual Republican nominee, and Travis Allen, his main Republican competitor, combined from Republican donors. So the donor community has fled Republican elected office holders are leaving. The voters' registration numbers are hemorrhaging. And again, the only reason why it is really still sticking together is because the smaller that voter base gets, the more intense it gets. And until more people leave the party than stay in it, it will continue. This trajectory, this downward spiral will continue. I think on current course, it's probably four to six years before there's a complete disintegration and we truly enter a multi-party or at least a more fractured group of interests that will probably work in coalition with other independents and or different wings of the Democratic Party. But for people that have been looking for the end of the two-party system nationally, you're witnessing it happen here in California, and the horizon for when it occurs is not that far away. My guess is over the course of the next couple of years, you will hear more and more people writing op-eds or putting out articles or talking about a third-party movement. I don't see that happening, and here is why. There's kind of this mythical notion that there's a centrist element out there that people are yearning for and looking for. There's very little statistical evidence or data suggesting that. So both of these two divergent data sets really tell us that there's no movement towards the middle. What it really is is simply a rejection of the political structures as it exists. While the split in the Republican Party is extremely evident and is happening in a really spectacular way, the divisions in the Democratic Party are equally as profound. And you started to see that with the Bernie Sanders-Hillary Clinton primary. And I think in the upcoming primary for 2020, you're going to see it in even greater glory. So I think both parties are hemorrhaging for very different reasons. They're really not even right or left or moderate. Both parties are experiencing an upsurge in their populist wing. The interaction between class and race are going to fundamentally challenge the two-party system in a way that we have not seen ever in this country, certainly not in the 150 years that we've come to know the two-party system as it exists today. The cowboy humorist Will Rogers famously said, I belong to no organized political party. I'm a Democrat. Can Republicans rely on the Democrats' tendency to fracture to look for a future, an opportunity? As I advise Republican leaders all the time, if you're relying on other parties' mistakes or overreaching, that's not a strategy. You have to, at some point, stand for something to bring people to you to compel them to support you, at least in any sort of loyal or reliable way. We are in a period in American history where five of the last seven national contests 
have been what we would characterize as change elections. And what that tells me is people are really voting against the other party more than they're voting for the party in power. Donald Trump is planning to streamline his re-election campaign, incorporating the Republican National Committee and the campaign into a single entity, which means that Trump then becomes the Republican Party. The consolidation of the existing incumbent presidency and the party's national infrastructure is extremely dangerous. And what it is, it's the first step in truly rigging the system, as Bernie Sanders would characterize it with Hillary Clinton. This is clear evidence, and it's a clear overt attempt by the incumbent president to take complete ownership of the party. That's a very, very dangerous move for democracy. On what issues would Republicans need to give ground to rebuild, and on what issues would they need to stand their ground? For the past couple of years, I have been extremely critical of the president and the direction of the party. And it's not just for personal political beliefs. It's really a more strategic and tactical question. The first step in recovering, if you will, is acknowledging the problem and then publicly declaring that you are not from that wing or strain of our political system or that wing or strain of the Republican Party. And there are two really good examples of this. Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland and the governor of Massachusetts, two Republican governors in very deep blue states, won re-election by overwhelming majorities in this era of the big blue wave. The one thing they had in common is they were both vocally, strenuously anti-Trump and saying, I am not that type of Republican. I am not that type of person. And at that point, you had those candidates run on issues like education reform, economic reform more transparency in government, tax reduction, a healthier regulatory environment. But until you make a strong declaratory statement about who you are not in this era, nobody's going to care about what you're for. Is the Republican Party, as it rebuilds in California, in a position to say something more moderate about guns, about climate change, about immigration? I don't think it is. And I'm not necessarily convinced that those are the requirements to get back into relevance. California is not the wealthiest state in the country. It is also the poorest state in the country. We have extraordinarily big problems as it relates to the economic standing of a very large swath of our citizens. Issues like homelessness, housing affordability, the underperformance of a a lot of our public schools are disproportionately affecting Californians and especially Californians of color. These are the issues that polling tells us time and time again that people want to see change in the direction of this state. And yet it was Prop 187 and immigration issues that tanked the California Republican Party in the 90s and Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, a Republican who led the climate change fight. I told the Republican Party uh, and the, at the Republican convention, uh, it was like 10 years ago, that they're dying at the box office. And the, the reason why I said it was because their policies were such that they were not really including everybody, so that you have everyone interested. Like, for instance, women, a million women left within a few years because we did not address as a party health care issues, we didn't address education issues, we did not address environmental issues. This was three issues that were very important to women, and we were losing them because we were not addressing those issues. So I was telling them, I said, look, the way you're going, uh, being so anti, you know, healthcare reform and being so anti-environment and stuff like this, we are losing and we are dying at the box office. Climate change is an important issue for Californians. I think Republicans need to do better in that area, in that space. But if you're asking, do I think that that will get Republicans back into relevancy? No, absolutely not.
the vast majority of Californians, especially Californians of color, do not cite climate change as their number one concern. The one group that does tend to be wealthier, whiter homeowners, specifically in the coastal communities of California, and those folks will never vote for Republicans anyway. It's the working class, the middle class, those that are being left behind that are most likely to move towards saying we need a different way of governing for California because what is working in California for wealthy, white, progressive people is not working for us. That needs to be the target where Republicans, or at least conservatives, starts to address and build some sort of rapport with the community and start saying, we are going to be a group that is not going to leave you behind. This is the Republican Party I just articulated. I joined in the late 1980s. It sounds as though your New Year's resolution list will be around for several new years before you can check everything off. Well, it's been 20 years of New Year's resolutions I've been working with the Republican Party on. So I think it's probably a generational list more than just an annual list. While I am optimistic for conservative ideas, I am not very optimistic for the Republican Party because those are both increasingly different things. But you're not changing your registration. You're staying as an R. I am staying as a Republican, mainly, I think, for the reason Arnold Schwarzenegger pointed out, which is when somebody comes into your house or breaks into your home and starts taking your stuff and eating your food, you don't just walk out and leave them with it. You stand in your fight for it. And I do believe that there are conservatives and ideas that need to be fought for that California and this country desperately need right now. I'm not trying to save the Republican Party. I'm trying to fumigate the party. And there is a wing that needs to be pushed out and denounced. I do believe that the Republican Party's brand has become so toxic that there are a lot of millennials, a lot of Latinos, African-Americans, Asia-Pacific Islanders, and white progressives that will never vote Republican, at least not for a generation. And in California, that's 80% of the state. While I think that the fight that I'm fighting is a righteous one, I'm also very realistic about the chances of its resurrection or rebranding. I don't think that they are very good. The party either has to come to terms with what it is, or it has to erode into the dustbin of history in order to build something new. Oh, Mike Madrid, thank you. Pat, you thanks for the time. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Mike Heflin. The Schwarzenegger clips are from CNN and YouTube, and the music is the John DiMartino Romantic Jazz Trio's version of Chopin's Piano Sonata No. 2, and Bing Crosby sang Let's Start the New Year Right on Decca Records. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks Podcasts and never miss a single bon mot.